I want to preach to you tonight is that you don't have to die lost. There's a God in heaven that's looking for you tonight. And there's a church on earth that's looking for you tonight. Somebody has formed a search party and they're seeking after you. They're on their knees praying for you. They're shedding tears for you. They're pushing back plates for you. And they're concerned about you because they don't want you to die lost. And friend, whenever we can find you and bring you to an altar of repentance and preach you under conviction, not only is there going to be rejoicing in heaven, but there's going to be rejoicing in the house of God. This is CPC Vault. If you don't have a Sunday school book, if you want to follow on the screen up here or turn in your Bible to Acts, Acts the second chapter, beginning with verse 42. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. And the key verse, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Let's lift our hands and let's thank God for his word right now as our pastor comes and teaches to us. God, we thank you today for the reading of your word. We pray, God, that you'll, that you'll anoint him, give him the words to speak to us today, God, that you would have him to speak. Anoint our ears, God, that we can hear in our hearts to receive. In the name of Jesus. Everybody say, God bless him in Jesus' name. Thank you, thank you Brother Paul. Well, it's a great day. What a day to be living for the Lord. How many believe the Lord's coming this close? I believe we're living in the end of times. There was a little girl who's, uh, she was the daughter of a radio announcer. You know, radio announcers, they're trained to talk a certain way, you know. And uh, they were all invited over to a friend's house for supper and they, they actually asked the daughter if she would honor them by saying grace over the food. And little Mary was so delighted that she cleared her throat and got ready to, to say a prayer. And she, her prayer went like this. Friends, this food is coming to you through the courtesy of the Almighty. <laughs> well, this message is coming this morning through the courtesy of the Almighty. Amen. Things that make a great church. That's what that's what we're talking about today. That's developing a church, but we're, we're going to look at it, the title, Things That Make a Great Church. And I, I, I believe in my heart we have a great church here. I, I don't think we're as good as we can be, but... Uh, I thank the Lord that he's brought us where we are. And uh, 
we, we've got a lot to be thankful for. We've got wonderful people here. God's blessed us with wonderful facilities. We've got awesome talent in this church. Really, uh, I, I wouldn't hang my head comparing them with anybody. May not have as many as some, but we've got as good as some or as good as any. <laughs> Amen. I want to look at two scriptures, Acts 2. 42, and I've asked Sister Daniels if she would to stay up here because right in the middle of this thing we're going to sing a chorus and uh, it's an old chorus and I don't know if you want to sit till we get there because it'll be a little while <clears throat> but uh, not, not too long but uh, Acts 2.42 uh, says and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship and breaking bread and prayers now, we're talking about the early church, the first church. And that's what was said about them. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That makes a great church. We got some churches that are departing from the faith. But Paul said we need to contend for the faith. That means you need to fight for it. Hang on to it. Don't, don't lose grip of it. Contend for it. Then verse 47 of that same chapter, verse 8, uh, 2, Acts 2:47, uh, it said not only did they continue breaking bread and prayers, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Is there anybody here that's ever been to the uh, Redwood Forest in California beside Brother Gary and I, Brother Stokes, there's several that's been when you look at pictures of it, I know most of you, all of you seen pictures, but pictures don't do justice. And uh, when, when Chad, uh, George got married, well, Gary and I went out there for the wedding, and that was, that was one of the things I've always wanted to do all my life was to uh, see the Redwood Forest. And, and needless to say, I, I was overwhelmed at the size those trees, trees big enough that they can build a road through them, and you can drive automobiles through them. I mean, that, that's, that's huge. And uh, they, they, they are amazing. Some of them go up 300 feet high. That, that's high. And, 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 and some of them are more than 2,500 years old. Some of those trees were there when Christ walked the earth, and they're still living today. I would say that the redwood trees are probably great trees, giant trees, stable, enduring. Kind of parallels to me with what the church ought to be. We, we need to be a tree of righteousness. He said he'd make us trees of righteousness. We need to be like the redwoods, something that's going to stick and stay and endure and, and just keep reaching. Amen. And uh, you, you would think those trees would have a deep root system, you know, like a pine, just have a tap root. It would go down to support that kind of height and, and, and size. But the truth is the redwoods have a very shallow 
root system. It hardly penetrates in the dirt very, very deep. And, uh, but the secret is these roots intertwine with one another. You, you hardly ever see a redwood tree growing out here by itself. They, they grow in like clusters. There'll be a bunch of them there. And, and, and the reason for that is because they're tied in with each other. They're interlocked with each other with their root system. A redwood tree by itself wouldn't stand very long. But because they have this tremendous root, interlocking root system, they support one another. And when the winds come and the storms come, uh, you would think something that tall would take the blunt of it, and they probably do. But they don't topple because of their interlocking root system that support each other. Now, to me, that's one of the things that makes a great church. We're not going to be able to cover all the things that makes a great church. But this is one of the things that makes a great church, and that is that uh, there's unity. Unity makes a great church. Say it with me. Unity makes a great church. And it's the will of God. When God built the church, when he designed it, when he drew the blueprint of it, the early church, notice it said that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. They were constantly fellowshipping with one another, breaking bread, praying together, praising God together. And, and, and when they did that, when the people began to see how they formed a community, it was like even though they were from different families, they formed a unit, a family of themselves. The church became like a family. And, and, and the people began to see that, and the Bible said they began to find favor with the people. And, and, and the Lord added to the church daily such as it be saved. Now, wouldn't you think, if you was looking for a church, if you went into a strange town and you had to move there and you was going to look for a church, what kind of church would you look for? First of all, I'd want to go to a church that was getting along with one another where there was unity. If there was fighting and backbiting and division, I wouldn't want no part of that. Would you? Or would you roll up your sleeve and get in there and fight with them? <laughs> I don't think that's, that's what God's designed the church to be. No, he's designed the church to be a, a place of peace. People ought to be able to come in on the street here and feel peace in this place and harmony in here and unity and a, a, a loving spirit. I'd want to go to a loving church, a loving church. There was one church that that built, well, it's right over there in Vicksburg. That It's close to that Civil War battlefield, and that's what they call the church, the Battlefield Church. I don't even like that name, the Battlefield Church. But... Uh, you know, in the first century, uh, it was not easy to follow the Lord. I'm at the early church. Times were tough. They, they, there was persecution, and uh, it, 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 you know, believers were were bonded together in fellowship in a community. I mean, they were martyring Christians, so you had to be careful who you told you was a Christian. 
and that, that, that's when the symbol of the fish became the symbol of Christianity. They would, they would, it became kind of a, a signal to others. They'd, they'd draw the, the signal of the fish in the sand, and then they would know if another picked up on it. You know, kind of like the Masons have their little secret handshake and so forth. You know what I'm talking about? You heard about that? But anyway, there, there's ways that one Mason can let another Mason know that they're a Mason. And that's the way the early church had really had to operate because of persecution. And uh, you, you went up and told somebody you as a Christian, you might be end up in the lion's den or at Nero's courtyard burning at the stakes. But uh, proper focus of the church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. Uh, in his book, Randy Freeze uh, wrote the book, The Connecting Church. And, and he had a lot of good things to say in that book, but one of the things that, that, that I like that he said, he said, God intends the church not to be one more bolt on the wheel of activity in our lives, but the very hub at the center of our life. The church should be the hub of our life. Really, really, and truly, I mean, I mean God's purpose was that the church should be the most important factor in your life. And, and everything else built around the church. If you disagree with that, I'm sorry, but you ever notice in the Bible whenever the church was established there at Jerusalem? Jerusalem was always considered up. Even though some of them other places may have been higher in elevation, it would say they went down to Jericho. They went down to so-and-so. Or they went up to Jerusalem. And uh, but, but the focal point of their life was the church. And I, I, hate, I hate to see people put the church way down the list of priorities. Uh, I, know, I know God should be first. I mean, he comes before anything. And I know that family comes right there. Family's important. But on the top of our priority list with God and family, church ought to be right up there at the top of it. It ought to be more important than anything else in our life other than God and family. Amen. And, and the church, that there are no long-ranger Christians. You know, we need one another. We are got to have one another. There are dangers in trying to stand by yourself. The Bible teaches us that. Some of you may remember. How many remembers the ice storm of 1997 we had around here? Oh, I remember. And I remember when those pine limbs would get so heavy with ice that you could hear them break. And that they'd, they'd, they'd sound like a rifle being shot. I heard several, several. And uh, little groves of pines. I, I've seen after it was over with, you know, that ice and stuff would just bend those little pines over. And and if, if they were out there by themselves, they'd bend so far they'd break the top out of them. 
But if they was in a, a grove or a thicket, they may bend, but they would just go so far, and they'd start leaning on one another. And then after the ice would melt and, and, and warm weather come, and that, that, that next spring, you'd see them little pines that start straightening back up. I've watched, I've watched them. You've probably watched them too. But, but I learned a lesson from that. There's a danger in trying to live out here by yourself when the cold winter storms come your way. But if you're in the thicket and if you're rubbing shoulders with other Christians, you got somebody to lean on. Praise God. You're like the redwood. You got, you got an intertwining root system that's going to help you. Somebody's going to pray with you. Somebody's going to fast for you. Somebody's going to love you. Praise God. I don't want to be by myself. I need the church family. I got to have the church family. Glory. And, and uh, you know, it, it was kind of a uh, uh, shame to see those little pines destroyed out there by themselves. And finally they, they'd break and they'd stay green for a little while. But after a while they'd start turning brown. Then after a while the needles would fall off. And after a while they was rotting and decaying. What potential. But it was all for naught. Simply because it was trying to grow out there by itself. And so it is with every saint of God. Do you believe that? We need each other. We cannot stand by ourselves. The closer we stand in the community, the more we'll be able to hold one another up. Amen. I'd like for you to stand again with me, if you don't mind, just for a minute before we go any further in this lesson. And I want us to sing that chorus. You're my brother, you're my sister. Do you know that one? So take me by the hand. Together we will work until he comes. There's no foe that can defeat us when we're walking side by side. As long as there is love, we will stand. Do you, do you know that one, Sister Dan? Sing it and lead us with it. Everybody. My brother, you're my sister. Take me by the hand. Together we will work until he comes. No foe that can defeat us when we're walking side by side. As long as there is love, we will stand. Come on, let's sing it again, church. That ought to be our theme song. Take me by the hand. Together we will work until he comes. No foe that can defeat us. Walking side by side. As long as there is love, we will stand. Come on, sing it again. Oh, we need one another. Side by side, as long as we're alive, we will stand. Sing it one more time. We, yes, we need one another. Together we will work till he comes. There's no foe that can defeat us. 
we're walking side by side. As long as there is life, we will stand. Let's lift our hands and love him together right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for our church family. Thank you for my brothers. Thank you for my sisters. Thank you for those that I can lean on, that you put in my life, Lord, that I can, I can lean on when I'm in trouble or when I need help. Thank you, Lord, for those that are willing to pray for me and stand by me. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for our church family. Amen, amen, amen. Why don't you turn around and shake somebody's hand and tell them you really appreciate them being a part of your family. Throughout our lives, especially during tough times, God desires to strengthen and empower us through the community of believers. Support system during the trial. Support system during the storms. Amen. Now, the, the, the Bible community is, is not absent of conflict and difficulties, but I'll tell you what should prevail in the church is a reconciling spirit. We ought to all be baptized with a reconciling spirit. Praise God. Humanists, we do things that rub each other wrong sometimes. All of us do. And we offend each other sometimes. We will be hurt and we will hurt others. But believe me, the value of togetherness far outraise any little pain I might have because somebody hurt my feelings. I don't quit coming to church because somebody hurt my feelings. Wrong thing to do. I just need to get over it. We should never back away from fellowship of the faith. We need to be committed to the community of believers. Can you say amen? We're like a bunch of porcupines. Yeah, we are. We're like a bunch of porcupines. And uh, th this one guy, he did a study, and uh, he, he was a famous philosopher, and I can't even pronounce his name, so I'm not going to even try. It starts with a S-C-H something or another. It's a bunch of letters in there. But he used this illustration. He said, and I'm going to read it to you. He said, a group of porcupines were marooned one bitter cold night in the middle of a large frozen field. There was no way to escape the biting wind. They could not burrow into the frozen ground. As they huddled together to keep warm, their sharp quills began to pinch and hurt. The closer they moved together, the more pain increased. Some of the animals could not bear the pain and drew apart to sleep alone. In the morning, it found those that drew apart to sleep alone were frozen to death. But those that bared the pain of sticking one another survived the night. What an illustration. We're like a bunch of porcupines. If you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, you may want to turn with me to Proverbs, the 27th chapter. 
in verse 17. Uh, this scripture has meant a, a lot to me through the years. And it took me a while to understand it. Proverbs 27, 17, it says, Iron sharpeneth iron. Wood won't sharpen iron. It takes iron to sharpen iron. Notice what he says. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Sometimes the Lord lets us rub one another the wrong way. little friction because he's polishing us up. He might be getting rough edges off of us. Come on now. Is the Bible right? I believe the Bible's right. Praise God. So we are like some porcupines, and we may prick one another every once in a while. We may rub one another wrong every once in a while, but the Lord has designed it that way so that we can brighten up one another and sharpen up one another, but he don't mean for us to separate. Friction creates heat. And, 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 and so when we have friction, it creates a little heat there. God has designed it that way. There are times when we hurt each other and there's a tendency to say, well, I'm going to pull away from that person, but that's not the will of God. The will of God is that we, we take advantage of that. We learn from it. You know, the Bible says, you know, if somebody slaps you or strikes you on the cheek, what are you supposed to do? Turn the other cheek. I heard one preacher say this. He said, yeah, but he didn't say what to do after they hit the other cheek. <laughs> but I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, it's just human nature. If, if, if you blooded my nose, and then the next time we've seen one another, you blooded my nose again, you know what I'm going to do? When I see you coming next time, I'm going to cross the street and go down the other way. And the devil knows that. He knows human nature. He studied us long enough. The devil's been studying human nature for a long time. He's been a student of it. And, and, and he, knows, he knows how to break up a good church and stop the will of God. And he does it by causing friction. Who was it? One of the presidents said, if you can't stand the heat, stay out of the kitchen. But, but look, sometimes that heat's good for us. Sometimes we need to have our rough edges as knocked off. Listen to what Ephesians 2.19 says. You are no longer foreigners and aliens or being separated from God, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. It was the poet John Doney who said, 
No man is an island. But Roy Cook said this, and I believe it, Roy C. Cook, he said, I believe that every man's an island. But there's no limit to the bridges that can be built or the harbors that can be built. We're all islands, but we ought to be building bridges. We ought to be connecting. God didn't intend for us to be by ourselves. He intended for us to be pulled in together. Now catch this. In the one body. We ought to be like a body. Matter of fact, the Bible teaches us we're the body. He's the head and we're the body. And Paul went, he went into detail with that. He said, the eye can't say to the foot, I have no need of thee. And the foot can't say to the hand, I have no need of thee. Every member of the body is important. Every member of the body depends on other members of the body. My hand is a member of the body, but it depends on my feet. Because if I didn't have feet, it couldn't carry me to my food. My feet depends on my mouth. Every member is important. And uh, the church, we need one another. We need, a, we need to be a functioning. We don't need to be a dysfunctional body. Oh. Uh, I know you've seen people that had maybe diseases that caused them not to be able to function and, and maybe couldn't even control the, their body. You know, they, they, their walk, their speech, their mannerisms. Uh, there, there are some that has no control of their limbs. You, you, you've seen people like that, and, and we do feel sorry for them. We should pray for them. But that, that, that's not the perfect will of God for the body. The body, God meant for the body to be in harmony. But there are diseases that can come in the church that can cause us to be dysfunctional. Cause us to act like we're in spasms. Don't think the world can't tell when they walk into our doors if there's love here. And, and I, I'm glad to hear that uh, a lot of our visitors have made comment about the love they they have felt. Brother Stoke, you brought several visitors that made that comment. I think unity is one of the greatest assets that creates a great church. I think it's more important than good preaching or good music, even though those are important. I think that spirit of unity that people can feel when they come together, uh, and they can feel it. Don't you kid yourself. They can feel it. <clears throat> you, you ever walked in somebody's house and they had just had a spat, a husband and a wife? still in the air. You can feel it. They may be smiling. Oh, Brother Belgard, how you doing? Good to have you. But I can still feel them little sparks, you know. They smile and they look at me and they look at one another they cut their eyes, you know. <laughs> Come on now. I'm not blind. <laughs> 
You know, I, I read something one day that made me stop and think. It said, when two people meet, there are really six people present. And I said, what in the world? He said, there is each the man as he sees himself. There's each the man as other people see him. And then there's each the man as he really is. Now, I know some of you have done heard this story and I've heard it preached, but, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rehash it again. Uh, I ran across another article about it. and matter of fact, it was in a 1992 magazine about a story entitled, Are You a Goose? And uh, it tells things that scientists have learned in, in studying geese. And really, it's a good skeleton for a church. Things we can learn. Things that make a great church. And uh, there are some lessons that we can learn. We can be just as simple as a goose and have a great church. Praise God. Everybody say amen. Because you see, geese illustrate the concept of fellowship. Now, it's not going to be long. Just a few, few, more, few more days and... And, and after a while, we're going we're gonna to hear that familiar sound overhead. And I love to hear the sound of those geese when they're flying over in V formation and honking. They just, I just love it. I, I, you know, some people say they like, the sound, like, like to hear the dove. And I like to hear doves too, but I, I, I love hearing those geese. I'm like Brother Hannah LaPrairie. When I, I start hearing them geese, I know good times are coming. <laughs> and all you hunters say amen. But uh, there was this fellow that he, 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 he was a collector of rare books. I mean, he, he knew books. And he ran against a, a, up on a friend one day who had just thrown away an old Bible. And that had been in the family for generations. And, and he, his friend just happened to mention, he said, it was getting so ragged. He said, I threw it away. He said, uh, it, it was published by somebody by the name of Guten or something. And this guy said, not Gutenberg. And the friend said, yeah, yeah, that's who it was. And his, this book collector, man, he just come off. He says, my God, man, he said, do you... You know who that is? He said, you idiot. You throwed away one of the first Bibles that were printed. And a copy like that, one that you throwed away, recently sold at an auction for $400,000. He threw it away. And the fellow said, oh, mine wouldn't have brought that much. It wasn't worth that much. He said, some clown by the name of Martin Luther had scribbled all in it. <laughs> Now, we look, we overlook the value of some things sometimes. And I can't, I can't even start expressing to you the value of a church family. I, I don't have enough time this morning to tell you how important it is to have a good church in your life. Fellowship. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And, and uh, you know, geese 
Why do geese get together? I, I got a riddle for some of you younger ones. Why do geese fly south for the winter? Don't answer it because you're not going to answer it right. The answer to the riddle was because it's too far to walk. <laughs> but it is amazing. It, it, isn't it amazing that when the weather starts changing, God has put it in these birds to get together and make that journey from way up north all the way down to the Louisiana rice fields without a compass, without a road map, without a road sign, without anybody giving them directions. It's just, it's just built into them. Now, how many remembers when you first got the Holy Ghost? When you first got in church, you couldn't get enough church. I'm, I remember when we didn't have church, I was looking for a place to go to church. If somebody, I heard about a church having a revival, I went. Because I just, I just couldn't get enough. I was, it was like I was just starving for it. Now, y'all know I'm telling you the truth. There, there's a reason for that. When you got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, there was something put in you that says you need fellowship. I know we can, we can lose that. But these scientists, they studied these birds, and, and they fly south, and they fly in V formation. And, and uh, I had another riddle. Have you ever noticed that one, one leg of those, that V is always longer than the other leg? You ever wonder why? The reason why is one leg's got more geese in it than the other one does. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they, they, they've done research and they revealed, they, they found out that the reason they fly in V formation is because each time that goose in front of the goose that's flying behind the one that's in front, the one in front, when he flaps his wings, he creates an uplift for the bird immediately behind it. And by flying in V formation, they have found that a flock of geese can fly at least 71% further than a goose that flew by itself. And if you'll ever notice when they're flying in V formation, one of them gets out of formation, it's not long they get right back in. Because when they get out here, they start feeling that resistance. Will that preach or what? Living for God is a whole lot easier when you got somebody else that's flying in formation with you and we're all heading in the same direction. Praise God. Hallelujah. I don't want to get out here and fight it by myself. I, I want to be here where I can feel this uplift. I, I can go further. I can accomplish a whole lot more by ha having brothers and sisters in the church, people who share common a common direction. Praise God. We're all he heavenward, flying heavenward. Can you say amen? And, and so I don't want to feel that resistance and drag when I'm trying to go it alone. Geese, because of their instinct given to them by God, get together and head south for the winter for survival. Everybody say together. 
We need to be as simple as geese. Simple as a goose. We need to stick together, stay together. 1 John 1, 6 says, If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. Geese stay together and head south for survival, and we too are trying to survive. That's what we're here for. We're surviving. Amen. We want to make heaven, don't we? And I want to survive it. It's a journey. It's a journey to get there, and I want to survive it. They, they, they illustrate the concept of sharing the load. Uh, you know, they alternate. The lead geese alternate. One will fly a point for a while, and after a while they'll alternate. I've actually seen them do that, where another goose takes lead, and they all form in the V after him. And so that, that, that's so that lead goose won't carry all the workload. Man, what a message for the church. We don't just need a handful doing all the work. I, I, that's why I appreciate these barbecues. We all pitch in. It would be impossible to do it with just one or two or a handful. But it takes everybody. Everybody say everybody. I read a story about this mayor one time of a small town was driving through, and uh, he, he noticed two city workers doing something unusual. He stopped and watched them. And there's alongside one of the streets, and they were working steadily. One of the men was digging the hole, and the other man was filling it back up. <laughs> and uh, kind of sounds like state workers, don't it, Brother Al? <laughs> and after watching them dig several holes and filling it back up, the mayor finally got out of his car and walked over, a little confused, and he asked him, he said, uh, he said, what you guys doing? I said, well, sir, I said, we work for the city planting trees. And I said, this guy here, he, he digs the holes. And said, the second guy puts the tree in, third guy fills it up, and the second guy's sick. He's off today, but we still doing our job. seen churches like that, you know. You, you, you fall into a habit. But, but, but it's so much easier if we just work together. Can you say amen? Did you know that in North America, in North America is the only continent where Christianity is not growing? Does that shock you? When I read that, I just couldn't believe it. My mouth actually just kind of fell open that North America is the only continent that's not growing. Christianity's not growing. I listened to a guy from uh, China at, at uh, this apostolic conference in Jackson here a few weeks ago. And, man, he was all excited. He was talking about all the people getting the Holy Ghost in China, getting baptized in Jesus' name. He was, he was really excited. They're having a tremendous revival. I'm in a tremendous revival in China. And, and, he is. He he made the statement. He said, "If it keeps going like it is in so many years, China will be a Christian nation." And America is going backward. That that's shocking. 
Listen to this. This was another article. It was in that same article, another statement. It said that more than 80% of all the churches in the United States are plateaued or declining. 80% are plateaued or declining. Is that the will of God? No, I think it's the will of God that the church grow. God added to the church daily such as should be saved. Amen. And our mission should be to grow. We should never lose the sense of urgency about it. We're here not just to attend church on Sunday morning or Sunday night, but we're here to make a difference in a dying world. Can you say amen? They, they, they say that the 80-20% principle is what operates in America's churches. 20% uh, of the people do 80% of the work. while 80% do 20%. But these geese, they got sense enough to know that one, one goose can't carry all the workload. So they, they alternate, they share, and, and that's important. Uh, the body has got to function together, everybody, everybody. Everybody say everybody. And... Uh, have you, ever, have you ever heard those geese when they fly over here? They're, they're constantly doing what? Hawking. They actually discovered that what those geese are doing when they're honking is that they're encouraging that lead goose and the ones in front of them to keep going. I mean, honking would be a dead giveaway for a hunter. You'd be looking the other way and you hear them honking, you know, honking, you know they're coming. But they're not doing that. They're doing that for a purpose, and that's to encourage. Uh, I don't know. Has anybody, I hadn't hunted geese that much, but do they honk that much when they get on the ground? Do they? Very little. They don't honk near as much on the ground as they do when they fly. And the reason for that is they got a purpose. And so we need to encourage those that are working. Can you say amen? That's why First Thessalonians 5.11 said, Therefore, encourage... Ooh, I'm sorry. I'm going over time. Let's stand together. I'm just going to cut her down. Shut her down. And boy, I had a lot of good stuff. I had a lot of good stuff left here. I apologize. Uh, how many has ever heard of Barnabas in the Bible? Barnabas. Do you know what his name meant? The, the name Barnabas means uh, son of encouragement. It was his character. And every time you find Barnabas, he's encouraging somebody. When Paul gave up on John Mark, sent him back home, John Mark quit on him on one missionary and trip. Another missionary trip, Paul and Barnabas went different directions. And Barnabas took Mark with him. You know why? Because Barnabas was encouraging Mark. It's kind of like Barnabas had this you-can-make-it spirit about him. I'd like to be a Barnabas, wouldn't you? I'd like, to, I'd like to be known that I was an encourager of people. Praise God. If you want to call me a honker, go ahead. I want to be a honker. I want to encourage folks. That's what I'm here for tonight or today, this morning. I'm standing up here honking. I'm just telling you, we can do it. You can make it. Praise God.
It'll be worth it. Come on. Keep on flying. Let's just do it together. Let's join together. Let's sing that chorus again. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it changes and impacts your life for days to come. If you would like to connect with us further, give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash Centerpoint Pentecostal Church or just search Centerpoint Pentecostal Church on Facebook. If you would like to join one of our services in person, the service times and address are in the podcast description. Thank you and God bless, and we hope to see you on the next episode.